on this episode of Quantum Week, September 26th through October 2nd, 1982. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leave into a random week of a random year, and we talk about movies and music and headlines and stories, all sorts of stuff. And we are in September, last week of September, 1982, and it's our, I think it's our earliest episode. Is this that is, right? This is the earliest episode. Okay. Yes. Crazy. Uh, and we've got E.T. E.T. And Jack and Diane by John Cougar Mellencamp. That's right. And before we get into any of that, we have maybe the biggest announcement in show history. I think so. Uh, so we have, we have a Patreon. We have a Patreon. Uh, how this works is you can go to Patreon. You can search Quantum Week. Uh, we'll also have like a link to stuff, but uh, it's going to help us get uh, funds to promote the show. Really. Basically, yeah. So we're, we, you know, we're, we keep trying to amplify our reach and we keep trying to grow the show. And this seems to be like the, it's, it's the time, it's time for us to try to put some funds uh, behind it kind of like taking that next step, but uh, how it's going to work for you guys is uh, we have three tiers. One is just kind of a, like throw a dollar uh, a month at us and we'll, you know, give you a shout out on the show. We'll it's just, just kind of a, a way to just kind of help out. Yeah. But the other two tiers I think are, are a little bit more interesting. The $5 a month, uh, that's going to give you an extra show each week. Right. So Matt and I are going to start doing a third show. That's going to be Patreon only. Um, so nothing's going to change if you, if you're having a tough time right now, it's a pandemic. I get all that. Yeah. So basically your quantum week wouldn't change. Now, you know, you still get two shows a week, just like that. Just what we're going to do is, uh, now we're just going to start covering a third movie and a third song that week. Uh, and that's going to be exclusive to Patreon, uh, members who want to pay $5. Yeah. A month. It's extra content for people who want to support the show and want to listen to it. So that's uh, great. Yeah. So, uh, so for instance, this week, uh, is we're in 1982. So our non Patreon shows are going to be ET and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yep. And then the Patreon only show will be Rocky Three. Rock. Oh wow! I forgot. I know we talked about it, but I forgot. Yeah, Rocky Three cool. and um, uh, uh, that's Eye in the Sky is a song yeah. by the Alan Parsons Project. So uh, that's gonna. So how it's gonna work is those shows are gonna come out Sunday mornings. Yep. So every Sunday morning, um, if you Patreon, if you you know pay the five dollars a month, then you'll get this. You'll get this uh, extra show every week. And it's very easy to do uh, when, in like, if you decide to sign up, then you'll get a, like a welcome email that shows you how to put the RSS feed for, um, for the Patreon only part of the podcast into your like iTunes, whatever apps you use for as a podcatcher on your phone. Very simple to do. So you'll get an exclusive feed that goes, goes to you. So you can catch it right there. It's not like you have to log into Patreon to listen. You can listen right from your phone. Like, you know, uh, like I, I literally did it and I am, <laughs> I am technically adept and I did it by myself, like without needing help. Which, it's literally a copy. So if I can do so it, easy. But if you have any questions, you you can reach out to Matt and I. I think we're pretty accessible and we'll be happy to try to help. Uh, so then we have another tier for kind of more like a high rollers kind of tier. The high rollers. But we do get this question all the time. is like, I want to pick a week. I want to pick a week. Or can you do this movie? Can you do this movie? Um, so what we're offering is if you pay $50 a month, which is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Um, you'll obviously get the, the, that extra show. But then you also will get a uh, to pick a week. And... An exclusive Quantum Week t-shirt. Yes, a Patreon-only t-shirt. We are going to have other t-shirts out, yeah. so this isn't going to be your only chance to get a t-shirt, but uh, this is going to be a kind of Patreon-only t-shirt because um, we have this pretty cool logo that Matt designed <laughs> that I, I really like. Actually, I kind of like it better than our real logo. And uh, and then we have... Um, but then the the thing is you get to pick a week. So yep. every year... So let's say you are, you know... Every, every 12 months, you'll be able to pick a different a different week that we will, will cover. We'll you, can, you can pick all the songs, all the music. You know, same rules apply that, that we do, which is it has to be the top 10. You know, same, basically the same thing. We kind of will help you with that. But yeah, you get to pick all the songs and all the movies for that week and the week itself. Yeah. So new Patreon. Um, support the show. Yeah, we, we appreciate it. And obviously, if you can't, if you can't afford it, I totally get it. Matt totally gets it. Um, nothing really will change for you. Nothing will change. Because we'll just have the two week, two shows a week. Yeah. And this will help us grow and hopefully we'll get... Uh, you know, more, uh, we can, we're going to use this kind of to promote the show with, you know, advertising and other podcasts, things like that. Just kind of expand our reach a little bit. Yeah. That's kind of the plan. Yeah, definitely. Did did we get everything? I think you got everything. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So move on to E.T. E.T. is a big movie. E.T. E.T. Elliot. Phone home. Phone home. Elliot. Elliot. Uh, what hurt? Is that what he says too? Uh, Ouch. Ouch. That's what it is. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, $10 million this thing costs. Not a lot. No. Uh, and it did like seven hundred million in the box yeah. office. So. <laughs> by the time the end, by the time it finished its run, it was the number one box office 
uh, movie ever, and I think it got eclipsed by Titanic. Is the movie that did it in? I thought it was Jurassic Park. Oh, or you're was right. that just it was Jurassic the, Park. Yeah, you're right. I always and get that wrong. I got yeah. that wrong. I think. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. I always forget. I always forget Jurassic Park's that, yeah. that middle child in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, this is. A, you're absolutely right. It was ET until Jurassic Park. So, which is wild because that's also Spielberg. I know. Spielberg I know. Spielberg beat Spielberg, Dude. which shows you his amazing power at did that you, time. Did you see that at one point he was making five hundred thousand dollars a day from box office sales with ET? Yeah, he took points. That's crazy. Yeah, he's smart. He, he, yeah. he made so much money. Yeah. This was a kind of a, if you look at the financials here, it's kind of interesting. So many people fucked up here um, with this movie. Columbia had it. They passed on it. Oh. But oh. thankfully, someone, the, the marketing guy said it wouldn't work in Columbia, which is <laughs> disaster. Marketing people. Fired. Are. No offense, man. Marketing people are the worst. Uh, All right. They're, they're not as bad as lawyers, though. So you get that, at least. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, but someone in Columbia, thankfully, had the right idea to be like, listen, we'll, we'll give you the script, but we get 5% of the, of, the, uh, oh, uh, of the profits. Really? And the joke around Columbia that, I guess joke, but the joke was that they made more off the 5% of profits off of ET than any other movie they made that year. <laughs> <laughs> which, I don't think that, which might not really be a joke. No. Uh, so Universal, wisely, Spielberg went to Universal, had a, had a connection there with someone there. It's like, listen, you should pick this up. Um, you should, and so Universal bought it from Columbia for a million dollars. Yeah, and then they ran with it, and then it was off and running. And the thing was, um, Spielberg was under contract with uh, with Universal. Right. He had he had to do like I think seven movies was the was the he was he was very young and got a seven like a seven movie deal with uh, uh, with Universal like right out of the gate. I think you know he did he did a, a short like twenty three minute. Um, Short film, I can't remember what the name was, but then right after that, he was signed to this. He deal. did so Duel as well. He did, du- but Duel was part of that. Was that part of that? Yeah, package? it was part of the part of the. And deal. obviously, Jaws and Jaws. Yeah. Um, Duel is good. Did you ever? Did you ever watch that I've one? Never I liked seen it. Du- no, it was, that's as, a truck one. As we talk, yes, as we talk a bit, there's some I, some dark spots I have with Spielberg that I haven't seen. I, I've always kind of wanted to do a Spielberg project. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. He's done about mm. fifty. You know, go through so all of his movies and and kind of and just do a deep dive on him. That's, that'd be kind of a fun one, but, um, dual, dual epitomizes 1970s California for me. It's trucks like going through the hills of California. It's crazy. I want to, I, it's, I'm not, some of these movies and you know, some movies I haven't seen of his, it's not by, uh, like I, I've discussed. It's just simply out of like, I, I, I want to save save them. And I, yeah. I, but I have so many saved. I really need to watch them. The other people that kind of fucked up here are the Mars uh, Incorporated uh, people that make M Ms. Yeah, they had the option; oh, they could have no. done this. Oh, no, and they thought that ET was so ugly it would scare children, <laughs> and they didn't want to be associated with that. So they passed, and it went to Reese's Pieces. Who then, you know, they 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 made I they made so much money off this film. I mean, they, even today, when I eat Reese's Pieces, the first thing I think of is ET. Of course, you, you know, if I ever eat Reese's Pieces, but you know, but like, but it just shows like that that uh, what a horrible <laughs> mistake by Columbia, what a horrible mistake by Mars. But people just didn't know how to take ET. Well, it's hard. I mean. To be truthful, if someone came to me with this movie, I'd be like, I don't know that. Like, you have to be, you have to do this perfect for it to work. The alien has to be just right. Yes. I mean, you have no guarantee the alien's going to look good enough. Um, Not even, or or like real enough. Yeah. Have enough personality. I mean, it could, it could easily be Mac as me. I mean, Mac and me. Right. Right. You know, it could. Right. And that's the ugly sister or ugly cousin, I guess, of this movie is, is right. And that's a great example of how it can go bad. Yeah. So with this, I mean, I, if you are risk averse, this is not the film for you to take, I don't think. Well, do you like this movie? I think it's mediocre. Oh no! Oh, I know. oh what is wrong with you? So I think that there are. Oh, that's there a are, terrible. Hold take. on. Here's here's the thing. Oh, there are some oh. brilliant scenes in this film. There are also some mundane, ridiculous scenes in this film. There are spots where I'm like, "Who the fuck is this movie for?" And then also, wait a minute. And then the last thing I do want to say <laughs> is that. Um, that might Henry Thomas might that might be the best child actor performance I've ever seen. He's phenomenal in this film. There's a lot to cover there. So uh, besides maybe Hallie, Hallie Joel Osment in uh, Six Sense, Hallie Joel Osment in Six Sense. I yeah. think I think he's I think Osment's better than Thomas. But you think um, so? he's, yeah. he's great in this really good movie. Uh, but let, let's break it down here. Let's talk about kind of the critique of the movie. Then. You love this film. I do. So um, I do. Uh, I love this movie a lot. I've never seen a movie. Uh, before, well, I guess before, this is the first movie I ever saw in the theater. So I've never seen a movie since um, <laughs> that uh, has as much love in it. Like, there's so much, this movie just exudes love and uh, caring and family. And, and, and it's just this, so, this, every character in this movie, like, genuinely cares about each other. Even the scientist at the end, Peter, yep. Peter, Peter Coyote, which is a really cool name. 
Um, he he cares for the Elliot. He cares for Elliot, the, the boy. You know, and he he's kind to him. There's just so much kindness and like love in this movie that there like, is. you can't help but like rub can't help but like rub off on you. And I think that's why it it works so well from a box office perspective. You mentioned who's this movie for? It's kind of for everybody. Like I I don't know how. And it's not for everybody like Pirates of the Caribbean where they try to do nine different things and f- kind of fail at all of them in some ways. This is a movie that tries to do really just one thing, which yep. is a, a, a movie about friendship and loving and caring. And But those topics are universal. Just doesn't matter what age group you are. It's true. And also separation, particularly from family, you know, being apart yes. or divorce, like right. broken homes, that type of stuff. You have that obviously with E.T. being away from his family because he, he was stranded. Um, and then you have the broken home situation with uh, Elliot and his family. Um, so yeah, and, and I, I think you're right. Kids can identify with that and adults can identify with that as well. Um, I just think there are, they're just part, like, first of all, I didn't like the mom at all. I think she's a terrible actress and she, she did a bad job in this Oh, movie. I disagree with that. Okay. Yeah. I also think that some of the scenes, like there's a scene early on in the film where they're all sitting, uh, it's just the, the immediate family. Uh, it, it opens with like a bunch of kids camaraderie, like playing a game, hanging yeah. out, whatever. But there's a scene a few minutes later where it's the family and mom sitting at the dining room table in the kitchen. And she like, ha- you know, she sort of has this breakdown about her husband being away kind of, but it's, it's just, it, it didn't, it didn't work. It like, she, she was completely unconvincing in that, in that situation. I also think that she was a bad mom in a lot of respects too, like leaving her kids alone. And well, it's a different time. So let's, you know, there are, true, right, she true. leaves little, little Drew Barrymore there. Drew Barrymore. And I, I, so that's okay. So I was left alone when I was seven you know, six, I suppose Yeah, I would go to the gas station and whatever, maybe pick up smokes and come back, whatever, you know, like I was, you know, there were times just, I, was, I was left alone sorry. For, for glimpses for short times. She just seems so self-involved and like her kids are doing all this stuff, like finding aliens, going out in the middle of the night, taking off for a, an entire day, you know, that she seems completely self-absorbed. Like, I think she's really mom. overwhelmed. And I think, so the absence of the father, you know, not being there. And I love that you never see him and you never hear his yep. voice. Yeah, that's good. Um, obviously intentional. Um, and, you know, you see this woman kind of frazzled. She's really kind of at, at her wit's end. The divorce is obviously pretty fresh. Um, yeah. You know, the dad's stuff is still in the fucking garage. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. They, 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 and he's they, off on a, like a, a, a sexual exploit with some chick in Mexico. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think that's the, I, I think it's done really well. I, I will admit too, though, you know, you're, uh, you are a product of divorce. I'm not. So mm. maybe you have a, a more realistic vibe on this than I do. i you know what I mean? Like you have a better feel for this than I do. I don't know. I mean, it happened so early on for me and I know my mom was probably pretty overwhelmed too. Um, she was taking care of us and I, you know, my, I was three or something. When, yeah. When, you would have been I like, was this age, would have been like a Gertie. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah I, I, this, right. this is the time, um, which goes to my story later on, but, uh, of where I was, but so, so yeah, I have empathy for like my mom trying to work and support my sister and I and take care of us and all that stuff. I have a lot of empathy there and, and I can understand I can understand if my my mom was probably feeling pretty overwhelmed, but at the same time, I think you go into protection mode, it, like mother hen mode, protection mode, and and I I just I guess I would expect more of a um, like you just you lift a car, like you can just handle things when it's about your kids, and you're like suddenly the only person that you can rely on. I don't know. I didn't think that was done pretty well, but other things were done amazingly well. Like there are some shots here that are iconic that of course you remember forever, like. Yes. Like the the um you know the the wide view shot of Elliot coming outside the house. It's night. The moves above. Uh, the moon's above. Yeah. And ET's in the shed with like this you know ethereal glow coming from. You know you see that a few times in the uh, in the beginning of the film. Yeah. And that's an that's an amazing shot. Uh, the bike ride at the end of the film. Amazing shot. Like tearing down those hills through those neighborhoods of California. Just a like a lot of fun. Um. Uh, the space shoot suit scene where the, all the NASA yeah. guys walk into the house and it's so creepy and you're like, what the fuck are these faceless? Yeah, and they're faceless the entire time until later on, right? Because even even when you see them traipsing around, um, you know, in the dark looking for E.T., these Na- I assume they're all NASA guys or, or government guys. You don't see their face at all. You just see them, you know, sort of their from the chest down. Right. So they're faceless again as they enter your home and well, try so to steal your kids. The perspective is such a huge part of this movie. That's so, true. So this is, this is all shot from the perspective of a child or an alien. Yeah. Um, that is small. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have those Tex Avery cartoons where, you know, you have just adults really are never kind of seen, um, you know, from the waist up. Yep. And this is obviously kind of a, a, a nod to that. The only person you see that from the waist up in this movie really until the nearly the end is, is D Wallace's the mom. Yep. She's um, the and otherwise it's simply just kids. And, and it's, 
and you even see things from perspective, like when E.T.'s wearing the ghost yep. costume, you see out of the, the eyes, you know? Yeah. So, like, you know, you're getting it from there because it's their story. Everyone else is kind of background noise. It's kind of clutter. You know, adults kind of fuck it up. And the kids do a pretty good job hiding the alien from the mom, but I love that eventually she does because you can't, you're not going to hide that forever. Mm-hmm. That you is an alien in the house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they, you know, they do, a, I think the movie does a good job making that last as long as it possibly can. I think yeah. the script is fantastic. Um, Melissa Madison's script. Um, right. I don't love a lot of her other works, but I think this is really good. Uh, well, it's great. I think it's brilliant. And, uh, and Spielberg's direction uh, is, is off the charts great. It's really good. I agree. I agree. Um, the perspective thing. You say mundane. I, I, people see it now, Unfortunately, now this is, or fortunately or unfortunately, I guess you not loving this movie is is a is a very controversial take. I bet. I bet so, it will be. Um, what do you said? You said mundane. What, what do you? What, what what bothered you about it? Um, I guess. Yeah, I guess there was not. Well, maybe that's not the best word. Okay. There were things that I didn't believe that I, that I thought that, that there's no, like, this doesn't make any sense. No adult would look at this and be like, that's cool. Like the whole, you're going to, I know what you're going to say to me. You're going to give me shit for like looking at too far, too much of the details, but like the whole telephone thing is so annoying. A speak and spell in a fucking coffee can dials outer space is ridiculous. Shit like that. The whole scene. <laughs> so, you're, so your issue is with the alien technology that you, that is completely imaginary. So that's one thing. Okay. I also named the mom sucking. The and mom, the, D, D Wallace, who, who I will say, I mean, to your, she, she's also the mom in Cujo. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, and she and then she does kind of. She's known as a scream. She's I think she is the scream queen. She's done a lot of horror movies. She I think she did Critters, a few other things. Um, so she's right. She's not Meryl Streep. I mean, no, you know, I'll, I'll, you know but I, I think she does a very convincing and good job. I'm not like you said. I wouldn't have put it for an Academy Award nomination. No, no, I'm not no, saying no, that. No, no, no. But I think she does a decent job. No, I think but, the, the, what this does, like the in terms of acting, it's the kids who are who are great in right. this film. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, even uh, even. Um, What's her name? Drew Barrymore. Yeah, even Drew Barrymore does a good job. She like, does a great. See, well, I mean, she's a, she's a very good actress. And, yeah, you know, she became. But you she she's, she has a cry on cue a couple times. She's like an amazing job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. My one my one criticism of this movie, which I thought, that's kind of where I thought you were going with mundane. Well, okay, is, is the pacing. Um, There's and, that, and and so, but that that is not a fair criticism of the movie. I will say, off the, off the bat, because of eighty two, right? Yeah, because that's how movies were done back then, but and it, and the pacing isn't isn't as isn't as bad as other movies are from back then. I'm sure it's really not. And, um, I, I wonder watching, I'm like, ah, man, like I'm really enjoying this. I, 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 you know, but would someone younger, like do I, I, I actually, if you have any kids, let, I, I'd be very curious. Have you shown ET to your kids who are younger, you know, maybe born in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, or whatever. Do they like it? Were they bored by it? Because it has a very slow fuse to it that other movies now made. Yeah. Made nowadays don't have. Yeah. There were other parts that didn't work for me. The fact that he comes back to life after dying. What? Why? Because of Elliot's love? Like, or or was he not dead? He was wasn't he, dead. I think he. I think he, he was just hibernating. He, he must have some right, some hibernation, some way to go into a coma. Mode. I just felt like that was like why even do? You're just or, trying to go for the the tears. Or the aliens coming back revitalized him when when his yeah. mothership came back. That right. somehow like because he his coloring changed as well. It did. So there's a couple ways that could go. I know. I just felt like it was definitely if you would say a that, melodrama that didn't necessarily. That was the there. one like, ho- like potentially hokey thing that happened, right? Like the rest of the movie plays a pretty pretty close to truth or the, tr- try. Or it, 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 it it's yeah. pretty grounded. This yeah. movie's pretty grounded. Well, I know being okay. You can definitely say that with the caveat that it's an alien film, of course, right? Of course, with that one element. But that but all, a weaker movie has that one element spiral into a lot of other things. The other thing that didn't work for me was the whole scene where Elliot's at ki- at uh, school, and you know you can see you, they're re- Spielberg's really trying to show the connection between yes. Elliot and the telepathic uh, connection. Yeah, and that stuff didn't work for me too. I, I felt like the build up to the kiss. Um, where he kisses the pretty girl that ends up being on Baywatch later. It just, it didn't, it like, it didn't move me or him like releasing the, the frogs. It just didn't build in a way that I was like, oh wow, that's, that's like, this connection has, has a lot of meaning for me. It just didn't, just didn't really do it. I was like, eh, whatever. I, I can't, I cannot believe it. It's, you have a state. I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. Honestly, <laughs> no, I, I just don't. All right, I'm tearing it down. Did but at the like, same time, when, when you were a kid and you saw this, did you like this movie? I think I didn't. I think I liked it enough, but I um, I was not looking forward to seeing this film again. Oh. And I think because, you know, I probably saw it a few times when I was really young and then I didn't want to see it anymore. Part of, part of it was maybe just feeling icky. Um, 
I Icky, explain. Like icky around, I don't know, maybe because he looks weird. He's like a weird looking alien. I know he's a very loving, lovable. Oh, you know what else? The other part of it is, I think um, I didn't want to see him suffer. At the end? Well, yeah, and like being found, traumatizing for me as a kid was was seeing him being found at the riverbed. It's awful. That is like he's pale the white. Worst. Yeah, it's awful. And then in the you know in the bathroom when he's all fucking pale and yeah. white and disgusting, and then the way the mom re- and it's totally believable that she would react that of way. But but still, but yeah, the way that she reacted and you feeling him all that isolation and loneliness and all that stuff that that was tough for me to take and. The other thing is I thought the NASA people were a lot worse than they actually were. Right. You know what I mean? Like when I grew up and I saw that or, I know. you know, I was like, these guys are the fucking bastards. But then I saw them this time. And yes, they broke into someone's home. They did some bad shit, but they were not like uncaring. They tried to save his life. They were trying, they weren't trying to, I, the picture that I had in my head is, oh, before we saw, saw it right. this time, oh, they're going to, they're trying to capture him because then they're going to prod him and poke him and do all these things. And that's going to, I forgot that the riverbed scene. So I thought that they had caused him um to be dying but that's not what it was at all they were actually trying to save his life they were much nicer than i than i remembered i don't know i i I don't think this wasn't a a uh a pivotal movie in my childhood this is a huge movie for me so i uh et was the first movie i saw in theaters yeah i saw it at the end of its run um it had been out for quite a while probably actually probably saw it like 1983 i saw like the very very end of its run early 83 uh i remember seeing it Uh, i remember my mom cried during it uh because you know et was so sick and i remember thinking like because I think my parents really had told me the whole, t- like, going there, this is fake. It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> so I remember, like, I, you know, I was like, Mom, it's not real. Like, it's okay. Like, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't quite have the connection, emotional connection there. But um, I had E.T. stuffed animal, like, that, you know, that was, like, one of my favorite stuffed animals growing up. Like, I had, like, you know, E.T. was just, I love E.T. I think E.T. is one of my, like, five favorite, like, Rocky Balboa, <laughs> E.T. Like, this is my favorite film characters ever. Like, I care about them he's so a- much. He's actually... Looking back, I don't think I got this when I was a kid, but he, like, E.T. is, like, a really gentle... That whole species is a very gentle, kind... Oh, my God. E.T. is the greatest. Those are... They're very... Like, they're great creatures. E.T. Yeah. is, like... E.T. reminds me of my dog, like, Wayfield. Like, just, like, only love. Like, all it does is love. The other good thing about this... So, there's a lot... Uh, so, I'm not... I'm... So, I'm I'm giving the harsh stuff because I know that you're really pro and, and love it. But there are parts of this movie that I think are really awesome. And the other thing is that it's not a huge message hammer. Like normally, I would expect that from Spielberg. Um, really? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but in this one, not, not, not at all. Like he, he like there was, no, there was the no nukes shirt on one of the kids once. Yes. That was the only thing that I saw. Um, but most of it was just about like connection and love. It wasn't like and a, and sort of like standing up to power. A little bit of that, yep. which was nice. Uh, so I and, think, and and you have divorce and, and separation. Right. I said, and yeah. then also suburbia. Yeah. Um, which translates to, so he was shooting two movies at the same time. So depends if, really? you, if you believe this theory or not, which I do believe this theory. Um, so a lot of people, including myself, believe that he directed Poltergeist. Um, now, he was not. Really? Yeah. He was not able to, he has a producing credit on it, but because he was doing E.T. at the same time, he was not contractually allowed to oh, shoot that makes sense you have to do seven movies for us of course they're not going to say you can do two at the same time well, they don't want him to divert his focus so okay. um it's more that than, than the other so uh toby hooper who directed texas chainsaw massacre who's established director has the directing credit for poltergeist huh people on the set everyone you kind of talk to says steven spielberg was there every day steven spielberg was calling shots steven spielberg was framing things if you watch Poltergeist, it does not look like a Toby Hooper film. It looks entirely Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I've no, it I looks. Know. You never seen Poltergeist? Oh, I, it's just it's so long ago. I don't oh, even. Rem- so I don't remember. Shot. So this movie. So this movie came out. I think a week or two different than ET. Poltergeist. I'm sorry. It came out about a week or two different than ET. Both take place in California suburbs. <laughs> yes. Both. And, and it's one point where at the end of ET, they're kind of driving through like a um. Uh, looks like a, a construction, like a like they're yeah. I don't and, know. In yeah. my mind, and a couple other films, it, this is not the case. But I always like to believe that that's they're going through the Poltergeist neighborhood <laughs> because like these neighborhoods I think are pretty close together. Yeah. You know, in theory, and you know all this stuff's kind of happening. This in this, I always like to imagine stuff's happening. How do you have time to do that? He was just in. He was a young guy, and he was just like you know a maniac. Yeah, but like, how do you direct? I mean. I don't know this. Do you know how many hours of a day are you on a film set well, while I, you're shooting? This movie did not, this movie was relatively E.T. that keeps in this movie. Sorry, E.T. I think might have been easier to direct in Poltergeist in a lot of ways. The framing is all, you know, it, you have a very small cast. Yeah. They think they did it in like less than three months. Um, yeah, it wasn't now, long. Creating the E.T., creating E.T., that took 
months and months and months and months. Oh, yeah. They had to get that right. Yeah. That, I think that cost like $1.5 million just to create ET. Yeah. Like, that was, I think, a process. But once you're kind of there and shooting, it sounds like it was a pretty easy shoot. I think by then Spielberg kind of knew how to do it too. I mean, Christ, he fucking did Jaws on, on the open water, which I know. is a fucking disaster. If you ever watched a documentary on the on the Jaws, I can talk about Jaws forever, but because Jaws is one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. But um, that movie was a disaster. Everything that could have gone wrong did for Jaws. It was like this trial by fire over Spielberg. <laughs> and um, Universal almost pulled the movie from him. It was a disaster. Yeah. So by then you're like, all right, I've kind of done it all. You know, I, I made 1941, which is a comedy with Bushi and Aykroyd that bombed. Yep. I've... I've made closing counter. Like I've kind of done yeah. it all by then. Yeah. And even though I'm only like, what, like 32 or something, I've kind of really done young. it all or something. So yeah, I can like shoot ET in my eyes, one eye open. And I can also direct. That's fucking, that's nuts. Yeah. It's crazy. But if you watch Poltergeist and I mean, that's a small cast too. It's just a family basically. It and it's, and it all going to take place in a house. Yeah. More, you know, it, it has like a one setting, but still like I to, to be what you're eight hours on set over here and eight hours over. I mean, that's just nuts. Yeah. And a lot of it too. I think my ET might've been in post. Like, I, I don't know I the exact time. I have to go back and look at the timelines. I used to know them, but uh, to yeah. go back and look at kind of the timelines, but the, yeah, the movie came out roughly the same time and um, they are very similar. They are, they are in co- definitely cousin movies. Um, Interesting. Uh, but yeah, so that's, so Spielberg, I, He's so talented. He's so great. Is this, so what's your favorite Spielberg movie then? So my, my top is Jaws. It, it's, it's, it's probably Jaws. Probably. Saving Pride Ryan is my number two. That's an awesome film. I, I love a film that you won't love. Uh, well, Catch Me If You Can has got a, is maybe, maybe top, is maybe number three. Yep. But then Minority Report after that. I know you probably oh, I don't, don't like agree, Minority Report. I, I, I love that. It's a great film. I have Munich in my in mind. Munich's in there. See, there, there. He's done a lot of films I really love. It's hard for me. I would hard hard for me to put number one. Munich's great. All those that you just Munich, named are, yeah. are amazing. And then, um, and then, then ET's ET's my number five. I think it's it's way further down than me. Like you'd have to go through probably the um, the Indiana Jones stuff, and you know before I would get to ET. Right, I was just never a big right. yeah. wasn't wasn't big for me. I do have a confession to make here on this podcast. Okay. I've never seen Schindel's List. What the fuck? I know. So there are two movies from the 90s that I kind of went out of my way not to see because I was kind of waiting to see them for the right time. One of them was Titanic, which I had actually I've seen this year out of uh, the right time ended up being uh, COVID pandemic boredom. <laughs> yeah. um, but I still haven't seen Schindel's List and I, ha- I own it. Oh. I, I have it in my bookshelf and I'm just kind of, so I'm doing this AFI movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll do it for that, but that's taking longer than I expected to. I'm kind of, we kind of covered for the show. We'll, we'll we run we haven't it. run into it yet. We, we will. We're going to have to. It was big, wasn't it? It's a big hit. Yeah. yeah. So it made a lot of money. We'll, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll but I haven't seen Shindler's list. So it's, um, it's hard. It's, so that's know, my hard. top five of Spielberg's of those five movies. E.T. is my number fifth five, but I, I will say, I will say I've not seen Shindler's list. So that, yeah. that could, do, would that be in your top? I think so. But I had, I haven't seen that since high school. So now, you know, okay. it's 20 something years yeah. ago. Uh, it's not as fresh in my mind. I mean, it's that the hard part too is, I don't have warm feelings about Schindler's List because it's not, it's no, it's because it's, it's fucking tough to watch. So it's hard to call something your favorite when it, when it's so don't have warm feelings for Schindler's gruesome. List. I mean, to see he breaks down. I mean, it, it's a tough, that's a tough one. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, um, so this movie got nominated for best picture. I know it did. And really, um, and was the odds on favorite to win? Yeah. Um, I know the director of what, who, who, who what one he was, he was surprised. He's like, I, Oh, Richard Attenborough. For yeah, Gandhi. I was like, I, yeah, I'm surprised. I thought that. Yeah, yeah so Gandhi. Was, I've seen Gandhi, but a long time ago. Uh, I saw Gandhi so long, but I just came when I watched it. Kingsley, right? Ben, ben Kingsley. Kingsley, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Gandhi wins. E.T. is nominated. Yeah. A movie called Missing is nominated with the Jack Lemmon, Sissy Spacek, which I've never seen. I don't know that one. Tootsie with Tootsie's very good. Tootsie I don't think nominated. I've seen it, but I know what it is. Dustin yeah. Hoffman. It's a very good movie. And then The Verdict, which is fantastic. I don't think I've seen The Verdict. That got nominated. Verdict is very good. I, I like The Verdict. <laughs> It's just so different movies. Verdict is a movie about Paul Newman. He's yep. a Boston lawyer. Uh, it's very good. Sydney Lumet. It's very good. It. Um, Paul Newman's acting performance in the Verdict is right there with uh, with Jimmy Stewart and yeah, um, about as good of acting performance as you're gonna find um, I guess in a movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Spielberg doesn't doesn't win for best director. Attenborough wins that, and then he doesn't. They don't win for best picture. Doesn't win best picture. Uh, and it doesn't win for screenplay either. Uh, that also went to Gandhi. It was our original screenplay. It was Officer and a Gentleman, Tootsie, E.T., and Gandhi, and Gandhi yep. took that. Um, it did win a couple, though. It was nominated for Cinematography, Directing, Editing, Music, uh, Best Picture, Sound, Sound Effects, Visual Effects, Screenplay. Yeah. 
it won, it won, it won a couple of technical I awards, it, right? I think, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Uh, which is a huge disappointment for a movie that going into the Oscars was supposed to win. I wonder if it won music, because that's the other part the of this movie that's amazing. The score is phenomenal. The interesting thing is I can hear some similar themes that Williams uses in other stuff in this. Like, it kind of, uh, you hear some Star Wars stuff, you hear, it's not quite with that same phrasing, but you hear you hear similar stuff to his to his other, like, I don't know, like space kind of Odyssey stuff, but, but there's a lot of, um, weird, not very similar to John Williams stuff that happens all over this film too. Like a lot of tension sound, um, to the score though, in the for, score, to yeah. the score for a second though, yeah, is so good. In this it, movie. It, no, it's great. And it's great. I think it's, it evokes emotion. My, my eyes will start to well open and hear it. And you figure the last five, 10 minutes of that movie is just the score. That's it. There's, There's very little dialogue. dialogue. No, it's all the action scene with the bikes right. and then goes to, right. To, and it goes to the, the when E.T. leaves. Now, e. I know leaves. there's a couple, you know, they have a, E.T. says goodbye, yeah. but it's really the score is, and if you listen, if you watch the movie at the end, the score is so um, all-encompassing. Yes. The dialogue is almost like a secondary. It's very loud yes. in the mix. Agreed. And, and that's obviously done intentionally by Spielberg because he's, oh yeah. he's saying this is more important than what they're saying. Right. It's how you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah, Williams does a great job, and I think that the movie wouldn't have been anywhere near as good without. No, that score. another way it works. Uh, that great script, that great direction, um, the great child actors, yeah. and that great score elevated above a movie like you said, like a Mac and Me. Like you know that that's that, that's the difference, right? That's the difference. Right. That's what you could have gotten. Right. You have to have a lot of trust in Spielberg to 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 like do this film and that Matheson script and that Matheson and now, script. The idea. Did, so Spielberg was a good guy here. He could have gotten a story by credit here because this is his idea. So when he was growing up, he was, uh, his parents were divorced, which he talks about quite a bit. It really, really plagued, it really bothered him quite a bit. Um, and, um, he invented an imaginary alien friend because he didn't have any brothers and his dad was gone. So he's the only man in the house. I think he got overwhelmed by it. So he kind of took that idea. He cobbled around some ideas. He had a movie called night skies he wanted to do. And it just, he he ended up not just not working out. He didn't have time. And then he kind of kicked the idea to Melissa Matheson who then wrote this and she came up with like ET phone home. She came up with a lot of this basic script, but it really was his initial idea. Yeah. So he, but he didn't take the story by credit, though, which is kind of cool. That is cool. I mean, you get credit for, oh, he directed, but it is, but I mean, he could, right. he, he could have easily grabbed that. And, um, so it, this is her script and it's what, what she's most, you know, she ended up marrying Harrison Ford and then she, she, oh, yeah. she died of cancer about five years ago. Yeah. Um, but she's most, this is what she's, this is her legacy is this movie. Yeah. She hasn't done that, but it seemed like maybe six or seven films. Yeah, she did Indian in the cupboard, which doesn't quite work. She did, yeah. um, uh, some other movies, uh, Oh, the BFG. She was, yeah. uh, that was her last thing. She did that with Spielberg at the end film. of her life. Um, yeah. it, it, this is what she, this is her legacy. Yeah. Which is a pretty good legacy to have. Was I mean, there, did you, did you see anything wrong with Henry Thomas though? I thought, but you, you seem to not think, do you, do you just, you wouldn't put him in that same echelon. He's as, not in that same class to me. It's ooh, a little, he does a great job. So there is one thing, this is, if you're going to criticize the movie, there's one thing that really bothers me every time I watch it. It's a very small thing, but it's almost, it's so ridiculous. So at the end of the movie, there's a kid, this, uh, the older brother has three friends. One of them see Thomas Howell. Yep. That's right. Uh, and there's two other friends. <laughs> one of the friends overacts. There's such a wild degree. It's the kid with the headphones. Yeah. And he, he has, I don't know why Spielberg got this in. Cause Spielberg spends such a, this movie, he works so hard to keep this movie grounded. Yeah. And the kids all act very grounded. It's all very real. Very believable. And then this one kid, this one scene where like, you know, the bikes are all in the air. Yeah. And he, like, he says something crazy. Like he has this crazy quote and he makes this crazy. And then when they all land, they all, like the bikes all land and, and he makes this crazy face. Oh, I don't remember. It is fantastic. <laughs> this kid is great. I, I, I wonder if I know more of this kid. Cause this is like, it's such a terrible, like, Spielberg easily could have edited this kid it's, out. It's your new background uh, photo. You haven't done that I forever. Will, I you will, should, you I, should I will, find it. I will, do, I, will put, I will put that in there for sure. That, that, this kid's face is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Funny. Um, all right. Anything else uh, with this film? I mean. So what do you give this movie? You're going to get shit for this. I give it like 85, 86. I think what it's is pretty that? good. Do, are we doing that's, numbers? That's, we do grade. Yeah. So that's, that's like a low B plus. That's like a B plus. B plus. That's a pretty heavy criticism. You got pretty critical for a B+. Well, I had to be, so I had to be, I had to, I had to be critical because I knew you were going to be very positive about it. So I had to really like go, I had to talk about the things that bothered me, but there are things that I like about the film. You didn't grow up, that really bothers yeah, me I, in a way. Did, I think, I think I was like creeped out. I think I was really creeped out and, and, uh, and turned off. It's hard. Like I have a lot of empathy. I have a hard time seeing a, you know, a kind thing in severe yes. trauma and pain. It's very upsetting. I mean, that's, that's tough for me. So I didn't, yeah. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, I, it's hard for me to... Ju- is this really, going to go your top five? No. 
it's really hard for me to be critical of this movie. It's really hard for me to be like, when I say critical, it's hard to critique this movie because a lot of my criticisms are because it was made in 82 and doesn't quite sure. play right now. But you have to think about it. You have to look at it in your uh, 40-year-old eyes. The other element of it is E.T. is such a huge like, part of my life in a way that like I don't see him as, it's so hard for me to like, because how I saw E.T. in the movie theater is 1982. Yep. When you see him for the first time, and he is kind of scary and ugly looking. That's kind of part of it. So, you know, 2020, when I grew up with this creature, like, you know, he was just, uh, he's everywhere. I, yeah. I can't, I, he's, E.T. is, and you know, they did the right thing. They didn't have any sequels. This movie sits alone. I know, alone. it's a good thing. It's, I, 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 I gotta. It is crazy that one two-hour film and everybody knows E.T. Everyone sees knows E.T. Sees E.T. in their head, like. Immediately. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy. I mean, they've made rides. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's everything. He's right. It's just one, right, there's no book beforehand. It wasn't like there no. was some sort of IP they took from. Uh-uh. That's it. And you're right. It's just a two. It's not like Star Wars with this whole universe and spin-off movies and action figures and all. I mean, I know there were some E.T. like right. dolls and shit, but not really. I mean, it wasn't a lot. It's crazy how that's like ingrained. Anybody our age. I, I gotta, I guess I gotta give it, if I, if I'm looking at it with my 40 year old eyes, like, all right, this isn't, I guess an A minus movie, but I, I if someone says A plus, I can't argue. I mean, if someone says a C plus movie. It's I, not a perfect movie. It's not a perfect movie. There's, there's pacing issues, that kid's crazy face. <laughs> um, this other, yeah, yeah, it's not a perfect movie, but I, okay, I'll say this. It's not a perfect movie, but for what they're doing, for what this movie's, the story this movie's trying to tell. Yeah. I don't know if you could do it much more perfectly than they it's do it. It's hard. Granted, it's very hard to do this film. I can't believe I like this movie more. This uh, really bothers me. Sorry. I, I just, I, it, you know, it's taste. Like, you, you like... I uh, would have thought you, this would have been right. You love all the science fiction bullshit. And then there's a good science fiction, a great science fiction movie like this one, and you don't like it. It's not it's really, really aggravating. It's not really a great science fiction film. I mean... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Minority Report is a, is a better science no fiction No one's going to give us money for Patreon because your stupid fucking E.T. take. <laughs> Mino- How do you like Minority Report more? Oh, all right. It's a very good film. You, have, have you, you did see it. Can we poll that? Can we poll that? Yeah, sure. You can send the poll How's out. that going to work for you, Nick? Well, who la- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get buried. Minority Report. I'm going to get buried. Oh, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, what do you like better, ET or Minority Report? Yes, that's the question. Jeez, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I know third. I don't. I don't give third options. Like you. I don't give. I don't give a uh, little cheats. Like oh, they're both pissing the wind or whatever. Yeah, some asshole said you need to have third. I don't. So oh, why do you listen to them? I don't know. I don't. I, yeah. I'm not sure. Why. You have two options. You have one. ET or Minority Report. Which movie's better? Full stop. We'll see what people say. <laughs> when? So I put that out like on Wednesday. I really thought you were gonna love this movie. People are gonna be in the voting uh, mood on on Tuesday, on Wednesday when we put this poll out. Right? They might be voted out. This is more shocking to me than the sand, than your Sandlot take. Is it really? Yeah, a little, yeah, it is. I'm not I, saying I, this really, movie I is bad. Like I was just kind of bored, and it just didn't all work for me. Like there, but there are some beautiful scenes. Like there are some really great things that do work. And and I do admit that it's hard to do this film. And the child actors, I think, are phenomenal. Uh, like I said, I don't think I, I've seen. I don't think I've seen it. Maybe Haley. I don't know. Maybe he's better. But he's, I haven't seen uh, he's better. He, he's he's so good. But not a lot. Better. There's not a lot. Not a lot better. And I will say too. Not often do you see three. Kid That's actors. the other thing too. Because even the older Robert McNaughton, yeah. who's you know the older brother, Drew Barrymore, who obviously has had, yeah, had a great, great film career, and then uh, you know Henry Thomas, who's had a middling, you know, has, has okay. Um, those we talked about Henry Thomas too. If you want to uh, listen to more about that uh, in our. Um, uh, Legends of the Fall episode. That's right. Yep. We talk about his career a little bit. Um, so that's one of our earlier ones. If you're kind of a newer listener, go back and check that out. Um, but those three all do a, a great. So to have three people kind of all step up is pretty rare because you always have, like you said, with that kid with the headphones, you know? Yeah. You always have that one <laughs> role that kind of fucks it all up, everybody. Um, but the yeah. Kathy right. Griffin Award for. Uh, for there it is. Kathy Griffin Award for Fiction. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Or she got shot. Um, he definitely yeah. gets the cat. He definitely gets the Kathy Griffin Award. Kid the headphones. All right, we'll put that poll out and uh, see what see what you guys think. Shall we move on? Yes. <laughs> All right. Little ditty about Jack and Diane, two American kids growing up. All right, so this is Jack and Diane by John. Um, he's John Cougar at the time, but uh, we know him as John Mellencamp, John Cougar Mellencamp, John Cougar, John J. Mellencamp. He's kind of he's got like the Diddy syndrome where he mm. changes his name from time to time to reinvent himself. 
Um, I, it's funny because this, like, so I, you, we, I, but we complain about a lot of the top tens that we see yes. in different decades. You know, you, you get to the later nineties into the two thousands and the, like the billboard top 100 just gets or really, early nineties. You have all those ballads. Yeah. All the yeah, ballads. Like, you, there's periods where it's just like, this is very hard to find something good. And we always talk about the number one, um, that week on the billboard hot 100. And then, you know, I'll usually choose a lot of times I'll be able to choose one from the top 10, but sometimes it's even further, but somewhere in the top hundred, I'll choose one. And I just try to find one that has something to talk about this one as number one, uh, Jack and Diane is the one I wanted to talk about least on this top 10. Um, and I'm glad we're doing three shows this week because I had a really tough sit like second song decision. It could have been a few. So I'm going to list out the top 10. Now there's one song on here that, um, it's not necessarily a good song, but I would be more interested in talking about it because I don't know it. It's the Melissa Manchester one, but here's a top 10. Number one is, is Jack and Diane. Number two is Abracadabra by the Steve Miller band, which we will talk about on the next episode. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. Um, hard to say. I'm sorry. Is Chicago. That's, that's interesting. Absolutely. Chicago's interesting. Number three, I have the tiger for survivor. Um, uh, you should hear how she talks about you is the Melissa Manchester song. I don't really know it, so that's why it would be interesting. Eye in the Sky, we're talking about on the Sunday. And Patreon, Patreon. That's number six. Who Can It Be Now? Men at Work is seven. Uh, Somebody's Baby is a Jackson Brown song that I know I would love to talk about. I Keep Forgetting is number nine. Do you know that one? Oh, my God. Who is it by? Um, I Keep Forgetting is Michael McDonald. All right. Do you know? Here. here. I, know, I know him. It's like every 90s rap tune yeah. is this song. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I love this song. Yeah, I don't like him. Uh, I love Michael McDonald yeah, so much. He's McDonald so good. Guy. And then number 10, I would love I would talk about more, and that's the second song from this album. I like Hurt So Good a lot more than I like Jack and Diane. Uh, I like it more, not a lot more. I would say a lot more, but I'm not a big, I'm not a John Cougar Mellencamp fan. Yeah. Not at all. So I have some feelings about Mellencamp. Yeah. They're probably similar to mine. I don't like him. Yeah. I, I have a name for him. <laughs> John Pooper Mellencamp. Nope. Okay. What is it? Pepsi Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. He is like, if you could water down, uh, if you could make a, a, a copy of a copy of a copy of uh, Bruce Springsteen and it was maybe 15% is good. It you is get unbelievable how sim- how much this guy rips off Bruce Springsteen and like, he does. And we all seem to be okay with it. Like as a society, we were, he did a song a year after born in the USA. He did a song called ROCK in the USA. Yep, that's right. Like how are we okay with this as a society? We're fu- we, 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 we've given this John Cougar Mellon camp. It's like <laughs> this, you know, this free pass. This guy's ripped off Bruce Springsteen's entire career. I know. He even like after Hungry Heart, he does like a similar type songs. Oh, I wonder what like it was. Like Dance Naked. Like, uh, I don't know. It's it's a similar, like, I mean, it, you're a musician, so you write tell exactly why, but I just feel like he's even like, he just ripped off Springsteen's entire career. And the, the problem is he's nowhere near as nowhere good. Near. It's nowhere like, near. If you listen to the Mellon Cam songs, man, there's like, it's like something missing. It's like, it's exactly. Like, it's like, and I don't, I don't, don't, I don't know music like you do, obviously, but I, I, am like, it, it's almost, and I say Pepsi because I always think when I drink Pepsi, I'm a Coke guy. When I drink Pepsi, it always tastes a little flat. Yep. And I feel like this music's just like it doesn't hit me. No, it's not bad, I guess. Well, his lyrics aren't as good. His delivery isn't as good. He's got, he has kind. I mean, Bruce has a raspy voice too, but he's got a better. He has got a better voice. Like he can do more stuff. He's more. Bruce is way more creative, melody wise. So, like even Bruce writes simple songs, but Mellencamp is like even is like it's a really kind lower. And I did, so I'm I'm not like you know a Kirk Minahan level Bruce Springsteen fan. I don't. I'm not to a be. big Bruce Springsteen fan at all. But I would way rather. But, but I enjoy a lot of his stuff, and there are at least ten Bruce Springsteen songs I like more than the best Mellencamp. Oh song. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The, like and I and I just can't. I was just because I was going through the catalog, and I was just like. Holy shit. Like, it's just like song it's, after song that rips off sprays. I'm like, this is nuts. How, how are we okay with this? I was trying to comp him out though. Like who else is kind of on this level? Um, the, uh, the one that I could think of was Bob Seger. Kind of a similar thing. Like that kind of raspy Americana rock kind of blue collar yeah. rock thing. Um, I feel like Seger's a unique, unique enough though. I feel, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I feel like just with Mel, it's just, it's like, so Night moves versus Jack and Diane. It's kind of this. They're kind of the same. There's like maybe not I just a lot enjoy secrets. I plus yeah. night moves came way earlier too. 
Yeah, I think it was 70s. I think you're right. Yeah. But it's just, I'm not saying the songs are structurally, but it's kind of that same vibe. You know, it is sort of like pensive. It's the other thing too with Melon Campbell is we both grew up in the MTV era. Yeah. And this guy, I cannot emphasize enough if you're younger, tried so hard to appear blue collar. He did. Like he would go out of his, like, there's even an album cover where he's sitting at a bar with some like random old, like looks like some busted up old guy. <laughs> yes. And like, he's just like, hey, I'm just one of the guys. And it's just like, dude, stop trying so hard. You're fucking filthy rich. Like enough. But he tries so the pink houses. Like, yeah, he tries houses, so yeah. hard to be like, hey, man, I'm just one of you. Yeah, he's a beer commercial, kind of. Like that's that's the yeah, for shitty beer. For shitty beer. Right. For Schlitz. <laughs> so I read one I read one critique was like, uh, listening to him is like listening to like a like a like a band play like a VFW. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. You you like sort of dusty boot. Um there was a uh when I was driving cross country to go live in California, um my buddy Paul and I were driving together. We stopped in um in South Dakota in this play like a town of 13 people and all it had was this little motel with a bar in this um, metal shed. It was a big metal shed. It was like that kind of place that you would see John. And there was a stage with kind of like a permanent band set up and, and the, you know, the townsfolk would every Friday night come, come by from all the towns around would come by and watch like a shitty fucking country band there. That's John Cougar Mellencamp. That's where he That's needs his to people. That's That's his people. That's what he tries to tell us. That's what he wants to tell us. But I saw um, Mellencamp though, 30 million albums. Seeger, 50 million albums. All right. Um, the other, the other people I could kind of, that were like John Fogarty ish. I mean, he's earlier, but that's so kind much of the same. Though. Yeah. About 10, but I'm just thinking like comps in terms of their like stylistically and whatever, maybe he's also, he's kind of like a, I don't know if I even want to say it. he's like, he's like, he's like watered down petty too. He's kind of maybe that, that as well. Oh, there's some, I, I, I just, to me, it's just like, I'm, I just remember just, you know, growing up in the eighties and seeing him try, you know, Bruce has the bandana and the next thing yeah. you know, like, you know, Mellencamp shovel and dirt. Like he just kept trying to like, <laughs> you know, I'm more like, it was just like the heartland and like yeah. all, you know, he literally calls an album, Nebraska. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, no, I don't think that. no so that's and, then, and then he calls it, he has an album scarecrow. Yeah. And like, it's just like, he just tries so hard. It's, he does. And, you know, Springsteen definitely tries hard. Like I said, Springsteen, you know, has an album called Nebraska. Springsteen, you know, flexes a lot too. He with does. That stuff. But I just, it's just, for some reason, maybe because he did it first, it feels more, I don't know, feels more natural or feels more believable or genuine. For some reason, Melancholy, I just don't buy it. I just, I don't know. I don't know. It just never know. runs me the right way. And the songs feel empty to me. There's, there's, a, there's a part of it missing. It's, there's, I don't know if it's layers or what. Or, well, it's kind of cheesy too. It's hard it's to relate really when, it's, when it's cheesy. It's like, you know. This song's cheesy, this right? This song is cheesy. I don't like, well, it's hard to be objective about the song because I've heard you've heard it so yeah. fucking much that I can't stand it. I mean, I, it's just, it's just like I get any, any shine that was ever there. I probably liked it at one time when I was a kid, but I, I just, I can't, I can't listen to it. The song doesn't really, so you have a song that I kind of thought about when I was listening to it was, um, uh, Italian restaurant by, um, Billy yep. Joel, which kind of tells a story about a couple yeah. that ends up, you know, being high school, uh, sweethearts, they get married, doesn't work yeah. out and they break up. Um, and they see each other again after like 10 years or so. And they're, and they're happy to see each other. Yeah. Um, this song is a little bitty about Jack and Diane, but, yep. th- but they don't really, it's just yeah, it, it does, two the, kids trying to make it like the best, but it doesn't really tell a story. It no, just, it doesn't. Uh, you're, you're totally right that the scenes from Italian, that is a, a full story. I mean, yes. there's, you know, different sections of that song, the slow parts and fast parts and whatever. Like, I mean, it's very illustrative when you listen to that one where this is just this, no, it's a simple it's like, little, but it's like, it's, it's almost a like weird, cliches and like n- yeah. nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Jack's going to be a football star. Like how, right. You can't get more cliche than debutante. Uh, and what is it? What, what does he mean? When he said, he's talking about two people that are relatively young. Yeah. Oh, they're in high school. Yeah. This is their glory. He's, this is kind of a glory days moment where best times were in high school. Yes. He talks like that. Cause he's but like the thrill of living is gone for them. Like how old are they? Oh, that's the thing. Like when they're yeah, 16, 17 years, that that's this idea of kind of your life's over at high school. Like you're always nostalgia. Your nostalgia is back to your high school. So is, that, he, is he ripping off glory days then? It's kind of feels a little bit like that. Or this yeah. is before glory days. Um, yeah, yeah, this is 82. No, so it wasn't. No, no. Yeah. I'm not, it's not really, a, there's no, there are other songs that kind of rip this off a little bit. There's, I couldn't, I couldn't think of one that this, like that he was ripping. Yeah, I couldn't think of one. Like glory days tells us like glory days. Like I can, you, you can see that, you know, like, in, you know, it's but like, those oh. are way better lyricists. You know, Billy Joel so and, and Bruce Springsteen yeah. are way better lyricists than Mellencamp. He's, he's pretty vapid. He doesn't have a lot, but of he's there. a guy. Now I know he's a guy known for like, 
you know, Heartland and, you know, like, uh, t- you know, almost like telling the story of people who like, don't have a voice. People that listen to new country can listen to John Cougar Mellencamp. That's, that's the kind of people you're talking about. I think about you're like right. Yeah. And, but that's not the image that he tried to sell or he sold effectively, I think, because he sold the shitload of albums. This, this song was number one for like four weeks, right? It was four weeks, and this is his biggest <laughs> one. Yeah, this album did well. I couldn't get album sales. It's too early, but uh, but yeah, th- I mean, this was his number. This was his big one. Um. This song's a, it's a weird song too. Did you read any about like him making it? How, did, how he yeah. had to, he was going to throw it away because it was so odd. Um, it is odd. Like if you look at the strong song, just I was wondering if you were going to hate that or like it. I actually like this. It's probably what, this is probably his oddest song. This is probably his most like out there song. Yeah. So I probably, I can object. I should objectively say that, this this is one of his best songs. The other ones are very straight up, like straight up chords. If you listen to the, the guitar, like this, you know, everybody knows the, uh, the, um, uh, like this guitar line part, oh, yeah. that acoustic guitar. Like that, uh, it, which is very similar. So later on, what, um, what rips it off is this. Does too. I really like this song though. Fast car. I like this song better. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. But but it's it's like that guitar it part is, though, is, is very same, yeah. Um, but that's like an odd guitar part that he that he created. So that that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, it's interesting that there's this weird there's weird drums like. It's like it, the kick goes bump bump bump, and then it's like put it bump. It's like this weird. He said the band I couldn't keep up. They couldn't do it. Well, it's not just that. It's it's the vibe of the song is hard. Like it starts what, and stops. That's yeah, what it was, right? Not just that though. Like when you think about it, you're like, what is so? A, a drum is like a is is uh, the, a basic drum beat is a ki- the kick like the bass drum kick and then snare and usually the kick is on one and the snare is on two like kick snare kick snare. That's the basic drum so. so and then you can vary it like. Like you do, you know, you, you vary, you vary it from there. It was hard to think of what is that pattern? What is the kick snare pattern for this song? It's weird. Like, where should the accents be? I was, I was thinking about it as I was playing. I was like, what should the drums do? It's hard because it's a weirdly constructed song. So then you have, you, so they couldn't get it. So the drummer, the drummer here is playing these parts where there's nothing. And then he would just go, he would just do this thing. Oh, not that one. That's the other thing that, uh, this, this one. Like just this random out of nowhere weird stuff. So there's that, and then even the bass, like the bass is like, where do we even? So sometimes you'd hear like a boo doo doo. You hear like this bass sometimes, and then the claps. Did you read that too? Yeah, which, I knew that already actually. But yeah, yeah, which makes sense. So he uh, he clapped throughout because he was trying to tell his band, this is the fucking beat of the song, assholes. Like come up with something. Um, and he, but he was only, he was doing it just as a, like a, a, like a reference point for them. And they were going to remove it from the song and they never did because of course, of course the song wouldn't work without the claps. You need something that's gonna yeah. keep the pace of the song throughout. Um, it's very weirdly constructed. Very I found that fact that I gotta give a shout out. So on Sirius, they have a like, top 40, uh, eighties, like countdown and it has like the original VJs, like Nina Blackwood and, oh, yeah. and all so uh, they, every week they'll take a different week of the, of the, uh, different year of the eighties and then play the top 40 of the week that we're in. So yeah. like, you know, 1983, right. Let's say they're doing right now. It's like, you know, Halloween week, 1983. And it's, it's so cool to hear the top. Cause they play the whole top 40. Some of these songs you haven't heard in forever. forever. Like, yeah. or, you know, you, you're maybe you never heard them at all. Whatever. You're like, Oh, this is a top 40. This is so weird. Yeah. And the, one of the years they did was the melon camp. Cause this song was so popular. It was so on forever. Popular. Yeah. And I was, in top 40 forever and they talked about the clapping i was like that's that's really interesting um the other thing that they did steal though which i just played a second ago was this does that sound vaguely familiar to yeah it's the exact same feel yeah. there's just one little like tiny difference um in the in in the um in the phil collins version but yeah they did fucking steal that so I don't know. It's this herky jerky kind of weird song. I'm just bored with it because I'm we've just heard down it on Mellencamp, and I'm down on Mellencamp. I've never really liked this stuff. I, I don't like the guy. It's the same Bob Seger. Same thing. I like. I've never really Mellencamp doesn't do any drugs or alcohol. He smokes a shit ton of cigarettes. Smokes or at least a he ton did. of cigarettes. I mean, yeah. he had cancer. Yeah. I I watched. I remember there maybe there was a VH1 behind the music on him in the '90s sometime, and he had tried to quit so many times and like yeah. failed. He Hopefully, had, he did quit now. I think he had a heart attack too. Because he did. Of it. Yeah. yeah. 
his whole thing was like, I, you know, I don't want to be healthy. I don't want to smoke. I don't want to drink or do drugs. But then he's like smoking is, you know, it's, like it's a, just a two bad. packs a day yeah. too. Marble like reds. Insane amount. Of yeah. Smoke, I guess. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah, he's, he's fucked himself, but he's, he's an older guy now. So he made it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just, it's just, music is not for me. It just feels, uh, like I said, vapid's a good word. It's, yeah. I always say flat, flat Pepsi, Bruce Springsteen. It's a good way to, yes. to describe him. Okay. Um, personal story. So I don't really have a lot of, you know, I, this is no, so early in the life. This is the like, earliest <laughs> episode we've ever done. Right. Um, and I do have some memories from the time I was like three, four. Like I remember, uh, as I mentioned when we were talking about the movie, like I, I remember leaving uh, my parents divorcing and, and me leaving. And I was in, I was in like sometime when in my, as three, like between three and four years old. So it was probably around this time when it happened. Um, my little sister was young. She's, uh, she's only um, 16 months younger than me so she i mean but still she was like a year and a half years old she's just a little she was really little yeah little girl so that happened really young um we i've said this on the podcast before but we moved out my dad was an abusive guy and my mom's like we gotta get the fuck out of here and the way that my grandmother tells it and every time my grandmother's like almost 90 years old so she likes to retell stories but the way that she <laughs> she talks about it is she absconded with us in the middle of the night like she I, my mom gave um, my sister and I to my grandmother and she like took off sometime, I don't know, in the middle of the night to like get us away because my mom was afraid that what was perceived as my dad's, I don't know, powerful family would like, would come try to take us. Um, so, you know, rescued by my, my mom's, my mom's mom. Um, and we ended up living with, I, I've mentioned this before, we lived, we ended up living with my grandparents, my mom's parents for, for some time, like a few times at a few points during my, my early life. But um, but anyway, so that, that like, you know, I, the, the, that's my memory. I remember like sitting feet pajamas, like in my parents' bedroom, like think knowing that this is happening, like some, we're going somewhere. Mm. Uh, so I have that memory. And the other one that I have is actually, I've been thinking about my uncle Tommy a lot lately. He, he lately, my uncle Tommy's, he's got a tough battle with, uh, with cancer. And, um, he is the other, there's a few musicians in the family, but not, but not really trained. Like my mom sings, my grandmother sings, but Tommy's like the other trained musician. He's a, he's a piano player. And, um, there's a very, right around this time is a very early picture of me sitting on his lap at the piano and him like playing and, and singing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool. Um, so those are like the two kind of things that stick, stick out in my mind. Like I've got, I was very interested in music early on. I remember I've mentioned this before, but I remember singing with like my mom, singing Ario Speedwagon tunes and, Christopher Cross tunes when I was really young. Um, I remember asking for a drum set when it, very, very early, like maybe I was I don't know, four or five years old, uh, just being really interested in music. And, and um, so having that, that memory of, you know, sitting on my uncle Tommy's lap is, uh, is a cool one. But that, that's, yeah, that's where I was, what I was doing at that time. Just a kid. Just a, yeah. Just a wee man. We were very small at this point. So, yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you're, you're probably going to print something pretty tumultuous. It sounds like. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Then had to watch this stupid ET movie and fucking fuck me up. I'm just joking. <laughs> we'll do the poll. <laughs> you're the worst. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, so we are in, I said the last week of September. Yeah. Oh, uh, and this is my birthday. So 19th? September 29th. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah so just, I'm turning, turning four. Three, uh, four. Turning four. Four. That's right. Yeah. Uh, right. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, the NFL was on strike. Was it? Yes. The strike lasted for 57 days and cut the regular season from 16 to nine games. No idea that happened. The NFL wound up having a 16 team playoff. So they had uh, they, they had a shorter regular season, but then expanded the playoffs. Um, players, the players went on strike because they wanted 55% of gross revenues. Okay. Okay. The NFL held the line. So we're not going to give you a percentage of gross revenues. You, you have, you know, we're going to give you, we're going to keep the current system at that time, which was, you know, you're getting a salary basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, eventually the players revolted against their own labor leaders and came to terms, basically agreed on like modest raises and bonuses. Oh, Jesus Christ. And but I understand. I mean, it's hard for a football player. You're, you're, you're not going to play very long. It isn't. It isn't. So there's, this is ex exactly, this is exactly the difference of what happened with baseball and happened with football. Yeah. So major league baseball went on strike in 1981, yeah. a year earlier. They went on strike for uh, basically, you know, face 50, 60 games, almost the same amount of time. Um, they got everything they wanted, uh, basically, in, when they when they came back. Like, yeah. You know, baseball at that point already had free agency. They expanded it. Like, they went and they got owners caved. Yeah. And this happened again. We saw this happen in 1994, if you're yeah. old enough. Um, 
and b- baseball players, you major league baseball players union always wins, always wins. The NFL players union always no, loses, always loses. And this is the most crystal clear difference. And you know, it's exactly right. Even to this day, NFL players don't have guaranteed contracts. Yeah, like they have, you know, basically it's a year to year thing. Some people do have guaranteed money, like Aaron Rodgers. Some of these big sure. names have guaranteed money. But, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes system guarantee. But that contract is no kind of is really 100% guaranteed. No. Now, eventually, NFL did get some percentage of revenues, and that's how they build the salary cap now. And they, they've done some things since then. So players have gotten some rights since 82. I'm not saying that. So it's not like a profit share situation. It's just we're going to use X amount of percentage of our of revenues. The revenue towards salaries. Towards our and sal- that'll right. be the, that, and that's, that's how we come up with the salary okay, cap. And stuff like that. NBA does the same thing. Yeah. Um, uh, baseball doesn't baseball does have a luxury tax. Baseball is yeah. a bit more complicated. Baseball does not have a salary cap, which players have fought against and won. Uh, NFL does have a salary cap, which players yeah. have fought against and lost NFL. The, now to your point that you're like, all right, well, NFL players didn't play very long. And you're right. Their careers are typically shorter than baseball ones. I think the NFL average is like two Four or three years. years. Or so, yeah. And then be. baseball is about five to six. Um, but having said that though, they always fall short. It's just, it's just, it's a strange thing. I wonder why they've always had kind of bad baseball has always had uh, Marvin Miller and Donald fair is yeah. two labor leaders that are very successful. Marvin Miller was, a, was maybe the greatest labor leader in American history. You could make that case mm. or at least in the last 70 years. So when you're talking about having the right guy in charge, football has always kind of had a harder time finding that person to really lead them effectively. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but it's funny, you know, I read this so like that would never like NFL would never go on strike day. It would never happen because this is so much. Now there's so much, so money. much money. So much money. with these, with these sports. Uh, NHL went on strike, I guess the most recently and, uh, and NBA has gone on strike fairly recently too, but there's just so much money on all sides that you lose. If you, if you, yeah. if you go on strike, it's like, uh, maybe baseball would go on strike again. I just don't see NFL ever doing it again. The only thing with uh, football is there's only 16 games, right? So yep. if you, that would really hurt the owners if, uh, if, if the, if they do go on strike. Yeah. Because it's all about TV money. Yeah. So then TV, TV networks are scrambling. I think uh, uh, CBS played uh, CFL games during this time for four weeks, <laughs> oh, but they did it with like all the power of an NFL broadcast. Oh, but all four games were blowouts. Nobody watched them. And uh, they gave up. They yeah. bought the rights from ESPN. Like we want these rights. They aired and the games, the games were so poorly. So they end up having like Madden Summerall go cover like division three games. Right. And, uh, but it did come back. Uh, but yeah, it was, um, a tumultuous time for NFL. So also this week, um, seven people died from a cyanide laced Tylenol in the Chicago area. Uh, this led Tylenol to recall 31 million bottles across the country. So basically anything Fuck. Tylenol, and that cost them $100 million in their, in that um, time. Jesus. Would have been like $260 million to, to basically imagine if they had to call every single Tylenol product off the shelves, all because one person basically went in and injected cyanide into seven bottles. Jesus Christ. Um, but the story got such huge amount of press that Tylenol was forced to do this. Um, since then, they've, uh, that's why you see like, you know, harder proof caps. Yeah. So who did this? No one knows. So um, they never found the killer. A man named James Lewis demanded a million dollars to stop the murders. So all this is going on. And then a letter comes in saying, hey, unless, you know, he sent a letter to the newspaper. Police are find this guy. This guy's an idiot. They find this guy immediately. <laughs> um, he ended up getting charged and served 13 years for extortion. Yeah. But he was living in New York. He couldn't possibly have been the person to inject these seven bottles for Chicago. It seems like a guy that just took advantage of a situation. Sounds like but it. But a lot of people do feel that he was the killer, though. So maybe people feel maybe he did somehow get to Chicago and did. There's also other, other people that were accused. One person was accused of the killing, um, had a me- had a mental breakdown because of the uh, media pressure, ended up killing somebody. Uh, but like it wasn't, the, but, but he wasn't the right person, but uh, he just couldn't deal with the. And yeah. <laughs> so this case is, is a, the more you read this case is wild. And there's other cases. I was like, I went down this whole deep dive of like this other woman uh, did the same thing to Exeteran in the eighties as well. And, um, she did it to a whole bunch of uh, bottles, I guess. And yeah. Me, one to try to get killer ex her husband at the time. He, she hated her husband cause he stopped drinking. <laughs> Wait, because he stopped drinking. Right. She liked to drink and oh, now he wasn't oh, drinking oh, anymore. What the fuck? So, but when she did it to the other bottles, I guess, um, I don't know. This is what I don't understand that story. So she does it to this a whole set of bottles. Yeah. But then other people bought, like it wasn't just in her home. I would have just done it to my one bottle in my home. I don't understand that in the et cetera in part. No, but other people bought these bottles and sure enough, somebody else died from it. 
because uh-huh. um, it was in that same like lot of bottles. Um, how they and did her did her husband die yes. too? Okay, so that's how they tracked and it. Her and the other family, uh, uh, the both people died. They she tried to sue Exeteran. Really? Yeah, she did like a civil, like a class action lawsuit. Like, oh, they died from taking your product, and they're like, no, 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 wait no, a second. you, you laced it. it in there. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes. So she's still in jail. The Exeteran lady's still in jail. Fine, she can um, stay there. They never found the, this James Lewis guy with this case in particular, the Tylenol case. Um, I remember being a kid, like Tylenol, like had like a nasty connotation like there were people like i remember adults making jokes about don't have time at all huh. um all because of this one person in chicago it's just crazy how one person can like destroy not destroy i guess but can really hurt a brand i want i mean i wonder if that guy was that's because that's who you hurt is the is the is you know who makes Tylenol? i don't know yeah i forget the name of the company i'm sorry i should know that but, but like to cost them but 200 yeah, million dollars in 1982 that's like that that hurts a, a quarter of a billion dollars That's in crazy. real money now. That tells you that humans are mostly good because right. you don't see like that type of shit. You could, you know, if, if humans were mostly bad, you see that type of shit all the time. You would and see it look, all over the place. If you look back at the bottles that were made back then and how they were made, it would have been so easy to yeah. fuck with the pills. So you're like, oh, I'm kind of surprised this didn't happen earlier. Right. Yeah. And yeah, you do have the exterior lady and you have this guy and a couple other people had, had done similar things, but it really wasn't as uh, as common as you think, but yeah, seven people died. And, That's crazy. um, I guess cyanide has like a almond smell to it. It does. Yeah. And, not um, that I've smelled it, but, uh, no, but I, I, I remember it's a strange flex <laughs> out there. Uh, but yeah, I guess it's, and they also, the, you know, the, the, the Chicago police department did a great job. They figured it out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, what? And they, they had the common bond. These seven people who many of them were young in their thirties and stuff that died. And the, oh, the common bond oh, yeah, was you have to figure out what's in their system. Yeah. What, what, well, yeah. Well, the, you know, yeah. They're like, Oh, they all had Tylenol, you know, they yeah. all, and then they all realized it was all bought at the same, you know, general time yeah. period. And, uh, isn't that crazy? That yeah. is crazy. So, uh, but this, but I was in the New York times and, uh, that story in particular, even much more than the NFL story. Uh, the, t- the town hall was in well, that, uh, every day. That type of shit scares everybody. I mean, people were fucking. Do you remember dude. when where there there was that sniper? I can't remember. I think he was around Washington oh, D.C. Yeah. like on the highway, right, overlooking the yeah. highway, and he killed a few people. That's like that type of stuff. That had everyone freaked out. Yeah, because it's like what you're like. What human would do something? Yeah. Like, there's no you know the a random stranger, kill, random, like, random strangers. Yeah, it's terrifying. That's like fuck. What you're not human if you can do that type of stuff. So that that's the stuff when we can't comprehend it. That's the stuff that like sticks out to us. So I'm not surprised that that was all over the place, but I don't remember it from the time. I don't, I don't remember that. St- I, I only remember the time I was getting a bad rap when I was yeah. a kid, people were making jokes, et cetera. And I, and I don't remember, I knew, I knew all the NFL going on strikes, but I didn't remember. I'm too young to remember sure, it happening, sure, obviously. Sure. Uh, Cause I'm even younger than Matt. Yeah. I'm only two at this point. So, um, I don't, you know, it was all just, uh, you know, history lesson to me, but uh, yeah, but yeah, that's all I got for headlines. Um, so okay. we're back on Wednesday. We're back. I'm sorry. On Saturday with, uh, fast, fast times, times. high, and, and abracadabra yeah and then uh get our go to our patreon you can check it out uh and if you subscribe uh then um you'll get the sunday show which is rocky three and uh alan parsons project song that's right anything else uh, see you on saturday see you then